I saw the impact of me sharing my story really gave permission to other people to to stand up, speak up and seek help. So I've made it a mission of mine to just be as open as possible just so that I can give people that are maybe not brave enough to do it right now that sort of opportunity and feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this and that's so incredibly important. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses, many of them accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% savings for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Filex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar, at filex.com.au. Counselor and movement coach Kylie Ann Turton is the founder of the Move for Mental Health Initiative. Here she talks to the fitness industry podcast Belle Fong about changing the language and stigmas around mental health, combining physical challenges and nature to improve mental well-being, how clients with mental health care plans can get free training sessions, and how touch and breathing can calm the sympathetic nervous system. Okay, Kylie-Ann, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So mental health and exercise has become a pretty important topic in our industry for the last few years. How do you think fitness professionals can have an impact on clients living with mental illness? I think that we can't downplay our role that we can have in terms of impacting clients' mental well-being and reducing the symptoms of mental illness because we can really help them create some pretty impactful change in their lives. Recently, last year, I ran an online hike that kind of combined all the components of the adventure hikes that I run down south in WA, Western Australia. And I put it out there that I was going to run this online hike and this lady came back to me and she said, you know what, this sounds so good, it sounds exactly like what I need, but I can't afford to do it because she was actually being diagnosed with a really rare cancer and was having to pull out all this money just to keep herself psychologically and, and physically well to overcome it. And being a business of purpose, I was like, you know what, I'll sponsor you to do this hike. And so she went through the whole thing and she came back to came back to me and said it was amazing. And then two days ago, she's actually at the conference over this weekend. And cool. she was like, you know, I don't think you understand the impact or the profound impact that that program had on me. It was something for me to focus on that allowed me to learn lessons about myself, really reconnect to who I was, what I love, and also apply those lessons that I've learned through that physical challenges that you gave me in other areas of my life. Mm -hmm. So I was at a point where I was like either going to punch a hole in the wall because of my anxiety or, you know, whatever the other alternative was. So I just think, you know, we just have this, we're just so uniquely positioned to help people. And I think we can't downplay what we're already doing. And there's so many other tools that we can build upon on that in order to help clients. And when you talk about an online hike, like what does that involve? Okay. So the real hike is 135 kilometers, mm-hmm. seven days of hiking. It's pretty intense. It's a very sandy track. So a lot of people couldn't join me. So I thought, you know what, I'll take it online. So we did step challenge. So they had to do 135, 12 weeks, 135,000 steps a month. I think it worked out to be 6,000 steps a day, which is the average anyway. There was mindfulness parts to it. There was physical challenges where we incorporated things that actually happened on the hike and got them to go out and relive that wherever they were across the world. We had 
what else is in there? Workouts, there was counselling, educational content, there was daily emails that went out to keep them motivated and give them little tips and tricks on how to, you know, hack like things to boost their mental wellbeing. Cool. So you've written a course for Network on movement for mental health. Tell us a bit about how you came up with this concept and why you felt it was important to have this information available to fitness professionals. I just really I thought it was really important to help coaches and PTs really expand their thinking on how programming can look and how we can really impact these people that are living with mental illness. So it's also just about raising awareness for what mental illness looks like and how it can sort of show up differently in individuals' lives. I think the more awareness we have around this, the more we can help and the more we can start to reduce the stigma in industry and then out there in the broader community. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you're a big believer in the power of movement and nature as protective strategies for mental illness. Tell us a bit about how you use this in your business. Yeah, so I sort of touched on it at the beginning where I run adventure hikes. So in a time when I was struggling, I, I wanted to have a goal that I was going to reach. So I decided I was going to do the Cape to Cape and I was going to raise money for a foundation called um, the Gidget Foundation. And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this for me, there's obviously other people that need this in their lives too. So I had 11 people come with me on my first one and we hiked the 135 kilometers and I just saw this intense experience this emotional experience that I didn't really expect to happen and just these transformations and then how that looked when they got back into their real lives and the things they were applying in the other areas of their life and it just really sparked this curiosity in me to sort of delve a little bit deeper into how in combining movement challenge and and nature together and why is that so powerful and I found some pretty interesting things and so I went on to do another two and so far as a fundraising effort and being a part of something bigger than themselves these people just went to thrive all these women and we've had a male as well thrive in their daily lives now and overcome some pretty serious challenges and adding that charity component in was just also I think another layer on top of those things in terms of protective strategies and I think to date we fundraised nearly $70,000 for this foundation as a collective through Movement Mental Health Initiative, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, amazing. So tell us, I guess, the people that don't know anything about Gidget Foundation, what is it, what does it involve and what's the money go towards? So when I started, actually it was when I came over here for Phylex 2017 and I actually decided that I was going to go ahead with it after being inspired and I got on the plane, opened up the, I think it's called the Voyager magazine and it just fell to the page of the Gidget Foundation and I thought that's it, they're the ones I'm going to contact because they support new and expecting parents who struggle with perinatal depression anxiety and it just so happened that they were about to roll out this program called Start Talking so it's a telehealth service for rural and remote areas for you know, new and expecting parents, which is coming from a remote area myself, I live in Karratha in the northwest of WA, where our mental health system is heaving. So having access to quality psychological care in specialised areas is incredibly important, um, particularly given that the population I'm in is lots of new families. I mean, I was one of them that struggled through perinatal depression, anxiety. So they're incredible. They're doing amazing things. Cool. So what would you say the common misconceptions are that PTs have when they're training clients with a mental illness? I mean, there's so many. I think it's that lack of awareness and having quite being quite fearful around how to broach a subject or how to coach someone. And so I guess one of the reasons why that course was created through you guys. And it's also that lack of awareness of how these symptoms, signs and symptoms show up in individuals and how to coach around that. And really, I guess, also understanding the impact that we can have through you know coaching people to use protective strategies like movement or getting out in nature or mindfulness or whatever it is in our toolkit 
And I guess an example of this would be I recently had a student PT come through and she had been in an appraisal and the client had disclosed that they were suffering with depression. And a common misconception is, you know, she came back and she's like, oh, you know, so she suffers with depression, so she'll probably be quite lazy. So it's being really mindful of the language we're using and what stigmas and perceptions are out there around mental illness and trying to like myth bust them a little Mm -hmm. bit so that we can really make more educated calls when we're coaching. Mm -hmm. And I guess when people talk about mental illness and exercise, I guess what are the most common forms of mental illness, I guess, that you come across? Depression and anxiety for sure. So they're the top two. I mean, you see things like PTSD will come through. There's obviously different types of anxiety disorders and depressive disorders. And so being aware of the different types is also really helpful. Okay, great. What do you think is the key to building these meaningful connections to help serve their clients? I think allowing the client to feel heard and validated is incredibly important. So having that ability to start the conversation and then letting the client actually disclose to you what they need to say and not downplaying their experience, not, you know, laughing it off because you feel uncomfortable and then using movement to help them create solutions to these challenges that they're facing that keep showing up in their lives. You know, having this ability to use things like play or fascial mobilization, diaphragmic breathing, like all of these tools that we can put into our toolkit, incredibly important to building this connection and creating a safe place so these clients feel like we really believe in them before they believe in themselves almost, and that's incredibly important. And so obviously PTs don't, you know, are not within the scope to, you know, diagnose or, or treat their clients. If a PT, for example, had a client that either disclosed that they had a mental illness or perhaps that they the client kind of got the feeling that perhaps maybe the client was suffering from anxiety and didn't know it or was suffering from depression and didn't know it. How do you think a PT should approach that situation? So if, you know, say, for example, I'm a client, you're my PT, mm-hmm. you're sh- I'm sh- showing signs of maybe I have depression or anxiety, how would you approach that? I think it, a really good way is just to start that conversation. You know, like you said, we're not there to treat, we're not there to diagnose or to counsel. So removing that expectation that you're there to fix it. But what we can do is we can connect them to the right professionals that may be able to help. So just starting that conversation, like I've seen, heard, observed that and I'm concerned mm-hmm. is a good way to really broach that subject. And it may be that, you know, they're just just dipping their toe in that, you know, that mental health continuum of not being in the best wellness or the best place of well-being mm-hmm. mentally that they, they could be. So, but it's good to, I think, if you if you have the courage to say stuff like that, it also continually creates that safe space. So they feel like mm-hmm. if there was something really wrong, that they could come to you and you could mm-hmm. help point them in the right direction. And look, you've probably answered a little bit of this already, but what is the scope of practice around mental health and exercise? So what can PTs, you know, say, do when it comes to this kind of stuff? Yeah, they again, can't reiterate enough, just not, not to treat, to diagnose, not to counsel, not to give advice. You know, just it's just about listening, observing, and then being able to refer and connect to the right professionals. So you're not going to lose your client if you need to refer them. You're still within your scope of practice. You just mm-hmm. stay within your scope of practice as a fitness professional. You can ask some really amazing questions and get them to do some really cool stuff to build some mm-hmm. solutions in, in their sessions with you. Like maybe they're suffering with lack of confidence or any, something like that. So you, you can do amazing things with them to build connections and 
boost their self-confidence using exercise. Mm -hmm. But it may be that they need to work with a mental health professional. So getting to know who's in your area as well is incredibly important so that you you know the right pathways. Mm -hmm. For those of listeners that don't know, there's a mental health care plan. So if you're a little bit stuck on where they should go, I'm recommending them to their GP and then they can get a referral, go through a mental health care plan, go to the right professional and get some free sessions. It's, I think, up to 10 a year, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. If you round the clock back 10 years, what advice would you give to your future self in the mental health and exercise space? Well, I've recently just been diagnosed with ADHD, so a neurological disorder. I've lived with it my whole life. And one of the things that they give to you as a protective strategy or coping strategy is exercise. So it turns out I've been using exercise my whole life to treat, you know, work with two things, which is awesome. So for me, I would I have this deep intuition when I'm working with people. So when they're moving, I can see past the words and it's like their body communicates something else Mm. that might be going on. So I would just say to myself, you know, you actually do have a gift and don't doubt that. I think I spent a lot of time doubting that I could really connect with people on this different level and then having this validation that that's actually a thing on that, yeah. I would just make sure I just use it to impact people instead of, yeah, having Mm. so much self-doubt. And when you talk about, I guess, the business that you have, are you attracting, do you find people that, I mean, people with mental health, say, for example, in your area, are they coming out and seeking you or are you going out and trying to, I guess, find these people? No, so when around two years ago I, I decided that or I saw the impact of me sharing my story really gave permission to other people to to stand up, speak up and seek help. So I've made it a mission of mine to just be as open as possible just so that I can give people that are maybe not brave enough to do it right now that sort of opportunity and feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this and that's so incredibly important. So, yeah, I guess I've, I just attracted them just by doing that and it sort of like it was like an emotional barrier that had just been, you know, let down mm-hmm. for these people, which was awesome. And interestingly, when I was diagnosed with ADHD and I put it out there because you know, just being open with everything, I actually had people in my life already that I was coaching and that had been clients of mine that had been living with mm-hmm. this disorder, as they call it. I call it a gift. And I didn't know. So it actually attracted people to like me that I didn't even, mm. something I didn't even know I had at the time. Mm. So it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. And if people, I guess if trainers are, you know, taking on clients that have maybe have mental health, are there any specific, I guess, exercises that you would recommend for particular, you know, mental health? Like, so say, for example, someone has depression, you know, are there, is there anything, the types of exercise that these guys should be doing? If someone has anxiety or bipolar, like, should they be avoiding certain exercises? Yeah, I think it's really case by case. But um, the one thing I like to do is really come to understand what are the challenges a client is having? what are the things they love, what are their values, and then tailoring programming to really tap into that emotional side so that they're sparking joy, they're feeling connected, they're laughing, they're changing their state, you know, down-regulating that sympathetic nervous system that we live in when we're you know, really struggling with mental illness, particularly with anxiety. So things like just simple things like diaphragmatic, diaphragmatic breathing is just so powerful. It's just all these really simple tools that we can do, like even human touch, like that just down-regulate that sympathetic nervous system and just allow someone to feel safe so that we can just get back to that baseline and just really do some really powerful, meaningful work with them. What kind of further reading research would you recommend for people to look into, you know, not necessarily specifically exercise for mental health, but I guess around around that topic? Yeah, so my favourite book of all time is Spark by Dr John Rady. 
and that was a game changer in my my practice and play by dr stuart brown i'm pretty sure hopefully i've got that right and then some amazing documentaries that about people that have had this intense like adversity and then have used physical challenge to overcome it and learn about themselves and just refine who they are. So 60 Feet of Freedom, which is available for free on their website, if you just Google that. And that's about PTSD and war veterans that use scuba diving to overcome their, you know, their, their adversity. There's The Dawn Wall on Netflix. There's Come Roll With Me on Netflix. There's Coming To My Senses. There's, yeah, there's just some, my absolute favorite is called Resurface and it's about surfing. And there's a book called Blue Mind that really goes into the impact of blue space for mental health. And it's, yeah, that's unreal as well. So yeah, there's so many. So if if you're after something, you can definitely reach out to me. I've got lots of good recommendations. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time today. If if listeners want to find out more information about you, all the course you've written for Network, where should they go? So you can go, obviously, to the Australian Fitness Network site, and that's where that course is sitting, the online one. Or you can go to www.themovementroom.com.au. Or you can find me on Instagram at Kylianne underscore The Movement Room or on Facebook. Just type in The Movement Room and you'll find me there. Awesome. Thanks so much for talking to the Fitness Industry Podcast. You're so welcome. For a huge range of online courses for fitness professionals, including Movement for Mental Health by Kylie Ann Turton, accredited for three CECs, and other mental health courses, head to the network website, select the Courses tab, and click on Lifestyle and Mental Health. Network members save up to 30%, so head to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Filex the main event on the fitness industry calendar at filex.com.au.